Broads, broads, broads. Broads, I am hyperventilating uh, thinking about you all about to listen to this <laughs> to what episode. We just did. <laughs> well, we're recording this intro after recording the episode. So keep up if you can. Because you're going to have to keep up in this episode because our guests are actual geniuses who have studied the ins and outs of this show that we call The Bachelor and Bachelorette. And it is so fantastic. Incredible. Incredible. I, um, I'm reeling. Absolutely reeling. I'm sure a lot of you have listened uh, to their podcast, Game of Roses, or follow maybe Bachelor Clues on Instagram. Okay. Case case. If you haven't, here's what's, what's going to go down. We're going to talk about... The possibility they have the most genius theory. They're going to break down all the possibilities of what's going to happen this season. We know been confirmed as Bachelorette, but spoiler, it's not really. There's other people that have been seen around the vicinity. Yes, and so their theory on what's about to happen this upcoming season is genius and something I hadn't even considered. No, and I haven't seen it anywhere. And I've been doing a lot of deep diving. So just so you know, broads, in the episode notes, if you don't want to even hear their theory, because I'm going to be real with you, it feels like it could really be what's going down. And again, they it's a theory, but we're going to put in the episode notes. So go ahead and check it right now. Look at the description. Our time when we are talking about all this Bachelorette drama going on. If you don't want to hear anything about it, look at the episode notes and you can skip that part. Because. Because. After they go over the current drama happening and what's a brewing, they do a comprehensive <laughs> breakdown of my role on Ari's season, which is unlike anything I've ever heard. I'm reeling. It was f- phenomenal. It was top notch. I also just want to give a disclaimer before you Karens are listening. Their <laughs> views on how they see the show and it being a game and strategies and players in the game is representative of their views. Like, I don't want to make it seem when people are listening to it like I had this crazy strategy to try to get as far as I could and all of that. Because... I actually really did have feelings for Ari. I took the show seriously. It was incredible experience and process and all that yada yada yada. Just wanted to get that disclaimer before people are like, "Oh my god, Becca planned out all her strategies and blah 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 like the most wrong reasons person ever on any season." No, listen, so. listen. If you are all about this show being all 100 all the time, <laughs> Maybe this isn't the episode for you because we're about to have a really fun time. So shake, just stand up, shake it off, (laughs) shake it off because we're about to have some fun. So let's not take, let's not take life too seriously right now. Let's take The Bachelor very seriously. Or we take it, yes, it's one extreme or another Uh right now, okay? So either you're enjoying this and this is a fun time or this is literally everything (laughs) and it is all connected. Our entire world is is surrounding this. This is the Illuminati episode of the bachelor breakdown and i think you'll really enjoy it so uh enjoy and like just was saying in the episode show notes you can skip ahead to their breakdown of season 22 so let's get into it and welcome to another episode of chatty broads with becca and jess well well broads here's the thing today so there's obviously been a lot that's been happening. Uh, 
I don't even know. I feel in like the bachelor. World. I feel like I'm in the real world, I guess. Yeah, also in the real world. But, you know, bachelor world, I feel like I'm drowning in so much confusion. But we have to talk about everything that's going on. And Becca and I thought, who, who are the only people we need investigative journalists. We need we need the deepest level of research. We need people who will understand truly what is going on. The beloved, the hated. <laughs> absolutely. The treasure, the <laughs> controversial. The absolutely everything you can think of. You've heard us talk about them all the time on our podcast because we're obsessed. We have Bachelor Clues and Pace Case from Game of Roses podcast. Joining us live. Live. Welcome. <laughs> Hello. Thanks for having us. This is truly an honor. And uh, there's no one we would rather talk about this stuff with than you guys. I don't even know how to. Okay. It was actually right after I came off of The Bachelor. I watched The Bachelor, but I wasn't like a crazed fan like I am now. Mm -hmm. And I started to take a deep dive into The Bachelor world. (laughs) And I stumbled upon Bachelor Clues Instagram account. And I was like, oh, God. What the fuck is this? I'm obsessed. And so I started going crazy. It was right after that season of Paradise where the main drama was, you know, Dean and Christina and D-Lo and all that. And I was going through the Mm -hmm. memes and I was like, genius, genius. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And then I think I actually messaged one of you and we were chatting back and forth. Anyway, since then, now here we are almost like three years later and uh, you guys are still doing the Lord's work on your Instagram and also on your podcast. Well, thank you very much. I would say even from starting those memes and Pace Case was doing recaps at the time, we would watch the show together. She would be furiously taking pages and pages of notes on her computer. The entire time. And I'm I'm literally (laughs) taking an endless array of photographs of my TV screen with my phone numbering in the thousands he would not stop he's just holding his phone at the tv the whole time i'm taking pictures just compulsively of like every frame of the show to make all these fucking memes and now three years later we are that's like tip of the iceberg i remember those days as the halcyon days i wish i could go back to that time and take a thousand pictures of my tv screen that was the good time Exactly. Now we're doing a podcast. We're writing books. We're doing all this crazy shit in service of this. You're writing books? We're going to talk to you guys. I mean, aren't we always all writing books? (laughs) But uh, yes, we're doing all kinds of different projects in service of the strange fandom that has taken hold in a a manner that I can't really describe. Uh, That is certainly not healthy. You know, it starts out, I think, as ironic. And then as you go further, suddenly it's not ironic at all. It's like a full-blown real-life obsession. Mm Mm-hmm. No, and it takes over all of your conversations. Clues and I talk about this all the time. I'm in job interviews. I'm talking about it. I'm going on dates and talking about it. And then they'll, especially if it's a date, and they'll be like, oh, my God, Hannah Ann was robbed. They'll say something basic like that. And I'm like, you don't even understand. She's one of the best players of the game. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. She knew what she was doing the entire time. You When somebody is like, I'm obsessed with The Bachelor, I just want to grab them and scream, no, you're not. People don't understand there is levels to this shit. Yeah. We, we talk about this when we do our recaps. Like, when, we, when we've been doing the uh, Bachelor OG whatever recaps, 
Oh, yeah, we've been like back when we watched this before we had the critical eye we do now for the show. Mm-hmm. Like we, we talk about that. It's like the BC era where we like yeah. were not enlightened <laughs> and where we followed the rabbit trails that they took us down. And, you know, I mean, truly, if you if you have not gotten so deep into this, people don't understand. But when there are there are situations like Blake and all this paradise all I could talk about, like you were saying, Pace, it's just like I, I, all I could talk about, all I could talk about was The Bachelor. And I lost many friendships because <laughs> we couldn't talk about that anymore. <laughs> Speaking of Blake, like yesterday I was talking to a friend actually and she was like, yo, yeah, Blake, like really, like what a douche. And I'm like, was he though? I'm just going to leave that there. Oh. Let's continue on the conversation. Interesting. Or was he just being prevented from using the bathroom the whole time? and was just angry <laughs> he had a fierce uti and he could not yes. <laughs> well what are we gonna get into today there's a lot to cover well i no. think first and foremost um it would be important to let's discuss off the top first of all your podcast and what you do so our our broads understand where we're coming from and then i think we should go into the current drama that's happening in la quinta the current climate yes Fantastic. So, Great. so, do you mind giving us an overview, yes, of, of Game of Roses, of, of what truly you both do for this world? I would say there's a few different tenets of Game of Roses, but one of the strongest ones is evaluating The Bachelor as a game, uh, sort of an ESPN style uh, analysis using statistics and basically evaluating various players' strategies. Um, we've come up with a lot of different terms for different, we've basically broken down the game into different strategies, different terms that simplify it to the point of like, it's like you're watching a baseball game and you see certain things happen and you're like, okay, that indicates they're going to go far. Um, have you guys watched, basic- any- oh, sorry. Have you guys watched oh, no, any of the goat? It's the fucking Zoom. I was just saying, we just had an interview with Mike Johnson and I was talking over the poor man the entire <laughs> time. And I'm using Zoom as the excuse, I guess. But have did you guys watch any of the goat episodes? Because we watched the very, we watched, who was the first guy ever? Well, Alex Michelle. And I know you all have been going over. It's fascinating yeah. to see the terms and the things that people were saying that have continued with us yes. 20 seasons later. And some that have not, some that have fallen by the wayside. We just completed watching his entire season and evaluating it for play. And things like the rose ceremony, for example, was not called the rose ceremony. It was called the invitation night. The, uh, the mansion dark. was called the ladies' villa. Yeah. The, <gasps> the mansion uh, was called the ladies' villa? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, God, it's all so creepy. <laughs> this is something from, like, Eyes yeah. Wide Shut. <laughs> Totally. Uh, we have theories about why it was called Invitation Night as well. Mike Fleiss was involved with Who Wants to Marry a Multimillionaire, where Darva Conger married a guy on stage at the end of a kind of bachelor-style game of attrition dating show, and it ended in disaster. That this guy was presented as someone he was not. They got the marriage annulled the day after, and it was a kind of big thing in early reality TV in terms of scandal. And so Mike Fleiss's first solo show was Bachelor, and I think he wanted to avoid that exact same outcome. So they made it very clear in every episode. And Alex Michelle is going to offer you roses. And you can say no. Don't forget, this is your choice too. They kept saying that in every fucking episode. You're like, all right, dude, we get it. We get it. Um, 
But yeah, it was fascinating to watch. Obviously, there was no social media then. The structure of the modern game had not yet been solidified. You had three group dates occur in episode two. There were 15 women split into very fair groups of five apiece to go on these three group, three group dates. Everybody no group got a date roses. Hmm. Yeah. No fimpros. Um, <laughs> fascinating to see the evolution of our beloved game. But now we are in this modern era. And a big part of what we do on Game of Roses as well is discuss how this modern era is an exact reflection of American culture. I truly believe The Bachelor is the most important piece of media being made by anyone in America right now because it so accurately reflects exactly what America is. I have a country that is run by a reality TV show host that is primarily focused on Instagram followers, that is primarily focused on the surface idea of what the country is while it ignores the kind of uh, toxic substance just under that shiny surface and he's referenced bachelor ratings in talking about his own ratings in his press conferences further connecting them i have goosebumps now too that's right i remember that oh my god this is all connected fascinating (laughs) absolutely and if you want to get deep into it you start going down the rabbit hole of the nfl is also connected to it in a strange way almost every bachelor season in the modern era has some group date where they go to an NFL stadium where some NFL owner or player is front and center. Hannah Sluss is now dating an NFL quarterback. You've had a bunch of ex NFL players as, I mean, Colton was the fucking bachelor. You have Aaron Rodgers' uh, brother, Jordan Rodgers, winding up with Jojo for a little while. Um, And now Dale Moss. And now Dale Moss is the next ex NFL star to be in the thing. And the NFL is, another kind of notoriously problematic organization that just pumps out media that again is about the surface level and not about the fact that they are destroying these guys, giving them CTE, not really caring about them. And it's just a giant money-making machine. I mean, this is why we have you on for the investigation of free. (laughs) (laughs) The uplifting conversation of Bachelor Quiz. <laughs> I'm actually I'm not joking at all. This could be a really great college class. Are either of you professors? Because this could let us know when be- we have to be on the Zoom call. I'll be there. <laughs> there are bachelor college classes now. We've had people reach out who are studying the bachelor in media. Wow, communications classes. Fascinating. So. Anyway, okay, you might be an answer on a college test. I love that. I would be on I've never been more flattered. I would also love to be in a bachelor college class. I wish that Irvine had one of those because I would be. Can you imagine? Can you raised. imagine the people in the bachelor college class at UC Irvine and they're like, "Is that Becca Martinez <laughs> sitting front, front row at a bachelor?" All oh, my pencils are sharpened. She's taking just constant pictures. <laughs> Excuse me, teacher. <laughs> That's incorrect, actually. (laughs) Speaking of which, if you ever have any questions, please ask me about the production because I'd love to tell. But that's a different... Later, we have some stuff prepared. We want to go through your season with you and just kind of like talk about the different plays you made. And we definitely have questions. I'd I'd be honored. (laughs) Okay, so Brads, we do have to pause and we have to talk about this. Okay, most of us have been waiting years Okay, months, but it feels like years to figure out what the heck the future is going to look like. I mean, maybe you have kids that are supposed to be starting back at school soon, or you're trying to care for family members out of state, 
or your work situation is up in the air for the foreseeable future, or you are currently on the season of The Bachelorette and all the stress that that involves. We're going to get into this later, Um, but it's a lot to deal with. Whatever your situation, it's a lot to deal with. And you add that to normal everyday stressors of life. And I'll be honest, some days, personally, I feel like I'm seconds away from a breakdown at literally all times. Um, And that's okay. Life isn't easy right now. But one thing that can certainly, certainly help us all navigate is having someone to talk to. Talkspace has been one of the best resources for so many people in my circle during this time. Uh, They are an online therapy platform that matches you with one of their thousands of licensed therapists that are trained in over 40 specialties. So you can get real specific here. Uh, Talkspace is entirely secure. You can talk to your match therapist anytime in the privacy of your own home. You get to stay in your house. So no matter what you're going through, help is always nearby. Um, I've been in therapy at various points in my life. And while I do understand the importance, it can be very expensive. Um, But Talkspace is out to change that. It's a fraction of the cost of in-person therapy because no one should ever be excluded from mental health help because of finances. The bottom line is that we all need someone to talk to and Talkspace wants to give you the licensed support that you deserve at a price that you can afford. Uh, And as a listener of Chatty Broads, you can get $100 off your first month on Talkspace to match with your perfect perfect therapist go to talkspace.com or download the app make sure to use the code chatty to get a hundred dollars off your first month and show your support for the show that's code chatty at talkspace.com for a hundred dollars off your first month talkspace.com code chatty here's the thing i know that my home is a reflection of who i am and it should be my personal oasis a space i'm happy to come back to after a long day i didn't know however uh that there would be a point in my life where i didn't even leave Mm. my home ever okay Mm. all the more reason to put that extra special touch into my personal space which is both easy and affordable thanks to article i love article broads you know this they combine the curation of boutique furniture store with the simplicity of shopping online the quality of their pieces is amazing mm-hmm. i'm so lucky to have a backyard and as soon as lockdown hit ordered some outdoor furniture because i knew we'd be spending a lot of time out there and i swear when i got them in person i was shocked you would have thought they cost four times what they did the quality and the materials are just that good people it is so good it was always so shocking to me whenever i order them i'm mm-hmm. like this material is fantastic. Um, another cool feature of Articles Pieces is that they're super focused on uh, four design categories. Mid-century, Scandinavian, industrial, and bohemian. And because this design focus, uh, because of it, everything feels really cohesive and streamlined. And if you are not great at the design element of life, like myself, this is a godsend. <laughs> Trust me, because Article cuts out, I mean, also Article cuts out the middle person and sells directly to you. Um, you'll save up to 30% off traditional retail prices. And to make this all even sweeter, Article offers free delivery on all orders over $999 plus a 30-day return policy with simple returns and exchanges. Uh, basically, they make shopping for furniture as easy as it always should have been, really. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. You just have to go to article.com slash chatty and the discount will automatically be applied at checkout. That's article.com slash chatty and you'll get $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. We need to get into everything that's been happening lately. Yes. Yes. Let us talk about what is happening. Where to begin? 
I think you probably want to begin with who is confirmed in Palm Springs? Who do we know is there? And then start to ask the question, why are they there? Here's who we know. Well, I'd first like to hear your take on Claire as the Bachelorette and theories on why mm-hmm. this play was made. Why they put Claire as the yeah. Bachelorette and not Hannah or Maddie? Yeah. I think they got a lot of blowback for having uh, what I term the sexy baby uh, model, which is what a lot of the women on Peter's season were very young. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but sort of this Instagram model, very young, seems like they're there for the wrong reasons for TWR. Um, Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the women who watch The Bachelor are maybe more in Claire's age range and maybe want to see some representation. And this is like a way to give a little a little nod to some form of diversity. Um, I also think on PP season, no one came away clean. And generally speaking, when they anoint a new bachelorette from the prior season, she has to be pretty clean coming out of it. No animosity towards her. She very usually is portrayed as a victim of some kind, like Becca Kufrin, in my mind, was kind of the highest example of this. She won the ring and then got supremely victimized in what wound up being like a 30-minute forced breakup on camera that we all watched and were like cringing at the entire fucking time. So uh, with Madison and Hannah Sluss, they both, I thought, like got their hands dirty in that final episode Mm -hmm. when you had Barb, a.k.a. Sweet Numbs, just kind of like tearing down Madison on the after the final rose, Hannah Ann tried to kind of like scrape together a clean exit by even mimicking some of um, Hannah Brown's exact dialogue when she gave Jed's ring back. She was stealing pieces of other past players games. I thought very said you took that moment away from me of the first engagement. But it still wasn't quite enough because the producers really dropped the ball on that season and it just, it ended like in disaster. It just kind of decayed mm-hmm. under its own weight at the end. And it was like, you didn't come away from that feeling like anyone was deserving of the crown in the next season, at least for me. Mm. I think Hannah Ann is still in the running, but not this season. Okay, yeah. Yes. So who's now at La Quinta? From what we see in photos. Hannah Anslus, <laughs> Wills Adams, Sydney Lotuaco, uh, Ashley Ayakinetti, Jared Ayakinetti. Um, Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, there's more, right? <laughs> yeah, there are more. Keisha Adams. Keisha Adams, yeah. obviously. Becca Be- Kufrin. Becca Kufrin. Claire Crawley and Dale Moss. They are still what? there. Yes. What does all this mean? <laughs> We believe it can only mean one thing. There is going to be a wedding of Claire Crawley and Dale Moss. And I think this is how it's going to play out. You have to imagine these producers. They've shot five weeks. They're halfway through their shooting schedule with Claire. She says, fuck this. I'm out. This is my guy. Their minds are exploding because they know they need to produce a full game, which is a 10-week game, 10 rounds of the game. So what are they going to do? They have to also tread very carefully because the primary rule of our game is for TRR, for the right reasons. And if Claire is saying, I found the love of my life, she's proving the process. I did exactly what you asked. I know uh, on your past episode, Nick Vial said that the lead has a responsibility to the show. And I agree with him. 
That responsibility is to find love. That is it. The producers have the responsibility to put on a TV show. And if they bring someone in and say, here's 30 people, find your soulmate, and they do it in five weeks, that's on the producers. You figure out the TV show. I've done my job, which she has done. So I think their only recourse is to validate that. They can't tear her down for it. They have to say, we agree with you. This is fantastic. They have to celebrate it. And I think they are going to put them into a wedding scenario. All of these other people they're flying in are guests for that wedding. They're going to do the biggest bachelor uh, thing in history, the biggest event we've ever seen, the first in-season wedding. And I think it will probably lay out like this. During COVID. During COVID, exactly. Uh, Which I think has a, a, a plays a large part in why she found this guy so quickly, because there's no travel rounds. There's nothing to distract you. There's no kind of like ability for the producers to spread you too thin. But um, I, I think they'll probably have the season opener will be two episodes on a Tuesday and a Wednesday, two hours apiece. Episode one is going to be a condensed love story between Dale Moss and Claire Crawley and nothing else. I don't think you'll see the other guys. I think it's going to open with Dale Moss getting out of the limo, his first impression rose, his one-on-one date. Maybe he wins a group date rose and her making the decision. And then episode two is their wedding. Then the next week is Tasha Adams' Bachelorette, all the limo exits, and we get a slightly truncated nine-round game from Tasha. Okay, so what about these theories that there's th- that there's multiple Bachelorettes, like Becca and Hannah Ann being brought in? Because now it looks like most definitely Garrett and Becca have broken up, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know about Hannah Ann's dating status. So what are your thoughts on that? I think Hannah Ann will have whatever dating status the show needs for her. Becca seems more unlikely to me because I don't know. I feel like she's, you know, the first, she was a ring winner and then she was bachelorette. I see her only agreeing to her own season. So that's part of why I don't feel like Becca is one of them, but it, I was saying it would be unbelievable. I mean, it would be truly unbelievable if Becca, if she has broken up with Garrett, which it seems, hops to La Quinta in 48 hours after a breakup and is one of the bachelorettes. I mean, I don't think that people would accept that. I mean, this is it's kind of what they're doing with Tasha though, too. There is whatever's going to happen in the season. There will be a feeling that it's counterfeit to some degree. Because you know Tasha is essentially picking through Claire's leftovers, whether it's a half of them are alternates and never made even night one or not, it doesn't quite matter. You're still going to have that feeling that it's like she was just slotted into somebody else's show. And that sucks for her, even though it is good to have her as the next Bachelorette in terms of visibility and moving the franchise forward in terms of social progress and all that. That's fantastic. But it is going to have this like asterisk next to the season mm. that is is going to be a little weird, I think, for everybody. But again, it's COVID, like you're saying. Yeah, COVID is its own asterisk. <laughs> a giant one. Well, okay. So, do you, what do you think is the likelihood that Hannah Ann? It's going to be a Hannah Ann and Tasha season. Yeah, because this is another thing. If there's the wedding, these are guests flying in. Has there been any? What about what if we're looking at Claire's friends on the from you know from Bachelor Nation, for instance, um, Michelle Money. Michelle Money. Like, mm-hmm. are these people there? Because if not, like, why the fuck are Hannah Ann and Becca Kufrin showing up for the like the event? Michelle Money may be there. I mean, although the photographs are look like they're taken from behind a bush <laughs> and some secret paparazzi is sneaking around to get us this 
hardcore information. That's not the case. Every image we're seeing is allowed by the producers. Those images are given to us weekly. Here, look at this. These people are here. This is all what they want us to see. And so they want us to know that these people are here exactly so that we're doing this, going on a podcast and talking about it. And we're basically trumping up um, excitement for this next season. What, what is this big mystery? And, you know, I think in the end, I just personally feel like it's going to be a wedding. These are guests and they're kind of flying in all of the most important people in contemporary bachelor royalty. Okay. Yeah. If the Ashley and Jared being there definitely makes sense with that theory. A wedding. It completely makes sense. And also, of course, Claire would be 100% on board because that's on brand for her. I mean, what is you guys' theory for what's going on? Oh, we were just we were just following. We were like sheeple, just thinking that there was going to be three <laughs> bachelorettes. Every everything that came out, I was just like, I'm so confused. I I for a moment thought, <laughs> uh, are, are they going to make this a Bachelor in Paradise, but only uh, right. women players come out? And well, all, yeah, I thought maybe they would use all Claire's men. Right, it's all Claire's men with all women that we've known. When all of a sudden they're saying all these things, but I'm that's like, kind of a fun idea. But because of one of this, yeah, the Sydney piece, and then but then the Be- Becca was what threw me off. I was like, that just mm-hmm. that just seems because there are still so many people in the franchise who really like Garrett. I can't wrap my brain around it, but there are a lot of people who have been defending Garrett through all all these all these heinous atrocities that he's been spewing. No, that's a thing though. People are yeah. like, what he's been doing yeah. isn't heinous. Exactly. So I would think that they wouldn't let Becca K break up with him and go on the show. Or unless they're going to use this for their diversity piece. And they're going to be like, Becca did not stand for like Garrett's hate. And Becca is once again, a strong woman. Like she was with Ari, like forging ahead, a strong independent, like feminist who doesn't need like a man who's going to hold her back, but she's going to find a new, better man on this upcoming season. Like I thought that that narrative would actually work really well. Yeah. In the very beginning well. of this, when it was just Becca and Hannah Ann and Tasha, I thought the same thing, that huh. they were going to do a triple crown, basically, and ha- give each of those triple bachelorettes like three or four roses and have a kind of truncated season where they're kind of competing against each other for whoever they want in this pool of guys. And ultimately, you'd have like three ring winners. But I just don't, I don't know. To me, that it doesn't quite hit home correctly. There's something weird about that. It's so um, contrary to the format of the game mm-hmm. that I don't know if they could do that and keep an audience. Because you really, I mean, what I think for me, what's interesting about The Bachelor, why I'm so fucking locked into it, is that 10-round game of attrition. The format they've made of this game is I'm watching these 30 players, whether it's Bachelor or Bachelorette, and there are different rules for the games, believe it or not. But uh I'm watching to see who can do the correct plays at the correct times to weave their way to the end. And whether somebody comes on this show to truly find love and they're really there for TRR or not, you still have to win 10 rounds of a game. If you want to wind up with that person, you have to beat these other players in what is a very rote game at this point. It's the same things happen in every round. You have to do very similar things to get certain roses, all that kind of stuff. And so to minimize that or to really you know, kind of turn it into something that it's not by having three bachelorettes. It's like, mm. what is that game that I'm even watching them? I, okay. I feel like they wouldn't do that. What about this? Because I agree, like the show's really rooted in tradition, but of course, like, I mean, COVID's changing everything too. They have to film the entire yeah. season 
in one location. That in and of itself is like a major diversion from what the show normally is. Okay, what about this? What if since they have to quarantine the whole crew and go through all the COVID precautions like they already have been, what if they're doing like a separate, almost like instant, uh, like paradise vibe where like, when guys are kicked off from Tasha's season separately, like on the resort, they're filming like a Bachelor in Paradise style thing at the same time. So people are directly coming oh. off of Claire's oh, they're knocking, season. They're knocking both out at the same time. Yeah, they're doing double. Like that's interesting. I don't think that's Island the, and Survivor. I don't yes. backups. Yeah, I don't actually think that's the case, but that would be interesting. <laughs> that'd be great I love that but that is I mean you gotta kill two birds with one stone during the corona times they could just be like hey you know what we're already fully we have we have La Quinta locked down they're letting us stay for a few more weeks and we're just gonna continue to COVID this area up (laughs) Claire and Dale are gonna stay they're gonna she's gonna give birth to her baby there and they're gonna have that on camera too Um, smart (laughs) they have to live their entire lives there it's a Truman show at La Quinta Chris Harrison will cut the cord of the baby. <laughs> I like that. I'd watch that. Oh, God. No, I just wonder if they're making a separate show. Like, maybe not. they're not doing Bachelor in Paradise, but I also wonder if they're maybe filming a separate thing at the same time. Um, it totally could be. I mean, you know, all of this is conjecture to some degree. I will say, at Game of Roses, we have to correctly... Degree. To some degree. <laughs> I will say that uh, Pace Case and I have correctly predicted Matt James as the first Black Bachelor... And we did that a month before he was even on Claire's season, uh, before he Pardon was me? cast on Claire's season. <laughs> okay. Explain why this was your prediction, because that's fascinating to me, because that came out of okay. left field to, to myself. I was shocked. We knew, well, we, we follow Instagram very closely. I think there's a lot that can be gleaned from it. We also, for example, predicted Dale Moss would be the winner of Claire's season from just looking at his Instagram. Um, you can see a lot about not only who these people are, but how they are conveying themselves, the image that they're putting out there. And really, Instagram, reality TV are pretty much the same at this point. They have merged to such a degree that they're inseparable. And you can look at someone's Instagram and be like, okay, I see exactly how The Bachelor would use them, how the show would use them. And so with uh, Matt James, it was very clear that he is Tyler Cameron's best friend. Tyler Cameron has the highest Instagram rating of any male player in the history of the game by a huge margin, even other bachelors, like he's blowing them out of the water. He is, uh, he dated Gigi Hadid for a little while. So he's in that A-list category. There's a few players who have kind of transcended to that level. He's one of them. And Matt James just has the right look. We find out later he's a registered Republican. He's from Florida. So we know he's going to play the correct game that the producers want. He'll be like a company person. And it just seemed like it was lining up that, if they had to have a black bachelor, it was going to be the black best friend of the most successful white player in history. And that's how and they present him on the goat show too. They, they don't introduce Matt James right away. They introduce Tyler Cameron and then they're like, and Tyler's friend, even though he's already got this honor of being crowned bachelor. Well, it's also fascinating. I think about his response to when Hannah Brown with the whole thing, when she said the N word on live, his like tweet response the day after was like, can't we all just spread like love and positivity today or something like that? And I was like, yeah. boom, PR, Ooh. perfect for The Bachelor. Exactly. <laughs> He's willing to play that game at the level they need. And so they were like, yeah, yeah get him. 
Wow. I think he's like definitely more of a, a company man than a Mike Johnson, for instance. Interestingly, yeah, we just got off the call with him and had an interview with him, which got so much more dimension of him as a person than we saw on the show. And it was kind of like, mm. oh, kind of kind of get it. He's maybe not as safe of a choice. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we theorized that he would be we knew eventually he got cast on Claire's season, Matt James, I mean. And we theorized that the producers had written very deep runs for him. We, we said that he would probably make top four, very likely even top three, that he would get a fantasy suite and they would then crown him Bachelor. But then when all the protests and everything started erupting and the Bachelor diversity movement started here, the producers, I think, were painted into a corner. They could have just announced our next Bachelor will be black. They could have not said who it is. And I think that would have given them a little more leeway because now... There's so much scrutiny on Matt James. He's having these parties with Tyler Cameron and like <laughs> everybody's losing their mind about it. And had we not known that he's bachelor, that might not have been the case. And they could have just kept that in their back pocket, announced it after clear season and built the same kind of momentum that they usually have in the marketing of these seasons. But instead now we have this, it's, it's so haphazardly done. The producers in ABC were clearly just scared shitless and they were like, oh, shit, do it, just do it, pull the trigger. Matt James, our bachelor. What? Just a wild gun. It's just like, all right. Oh my God. That makes perfect sense. We've been doing our podcast for about a year now and we've concluded every episode with our dwab count, which is our days without a black bachelor. And it's, I mean, we're, we're still counting until they actually premiere Matt James as the bachelor, but. It is truly sad that you have 24 white bachelors and you need a civil rights movement and your only franchise lead of color to threaten boycotting the show in order to do this. It's uh, disappointing. Um, Do you think Mm. that the choice for Tasha was also a choice made like in the wake of this recent movement or do you think like ha- had it n- had that not been the case would there have been a different second lead chosen following claire I'm wondering just personal theories yeah i i feel like if this was a few years ago it would have been hannah ann or it would have been tia i feel like tia missed her generation by like a few years but Poor tia. tragic absolutely tragic or maybe even Kelsey. I know she was in the running for it. It was when they were talking about who was going to oh, be yeah. the next Bachelorette. Kelsey Weir was in the running. That's right. I forgot. Yeah. Tasha. Kelsey Weir, for my money, is the best hoojuer that ever <laughs> lived, that ever <laughs> played our beloved game. Can you explain? Can you explain? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, at this point, I'm just like, this is not game <laughs> Even on this, I'm like on a Bachelor podcast right now and I'm exposing myself as being a maniac, crazy person. Uh, So the Huju, we all know it. We all love it. It's a shortened version of the two words, hug, jump. It's when a female player or bachelorette will run towards a male suitor or bachelor and jump in the air, cling to him. um, I did it. What else are you supposed to do? Well, we have questions about it, but I, you know, Kelsey Weir to me elevated it to a level of like Olympic athleticism. Every one of her her juice was like a ten out of ten. I've never seen anything like it. They and were especially on, they were so high, so high, so high, so strong, so fast. Her clings were very tight. She did a dismount into a, a 
<laughs> double kiss, if not a straight make out every time. And when contrasted on that same season of Peter Weber, AKA PP, um, you had people like Kelly Flanagan. You had people like Madison doing dead leg hoojus where she didn't even wrap her legs around his body. A disgrace. That's a Christian hoojus. Terrible. But anyway, I digress. Yes. I, I By think the way, uh, Dr. Clues has diagrams of hoojus on his Instagram account. <laughs> <laughs> the, dead, the dead leg of Huju, that was one that I I was so ashamed of myself to have missed that. And until I saw, I saw it too. your post, I was like, my God, has she been doing this the whole time? Yes. <laughs> she this? did it like three times. <laughs> oh, God, the dead Madison. fish. Terrible, oh, but, can you uh, have imagined if oh. Kelsey would have been the bachelorette, the amount of hoojus that would have been happening during the a rose ceremony, giving each rose away, just clinging to each man. She would be Men a would pretty have been good seriously lead. Injured. Yeah, yeah I, I think she'd be a good lead too. With maybe a year or two of experience. There is something happening with the bachelorette crown, I feel like, over the last five or six years. All of them have had this kind of like there's an air of authority that they have that I don't think like Hannah Ann Sluss has, for example. Mm. I don't think Madison Pruitt has it. There's this idea that they are kind of independent. It's conveyed through how the show puts them out there, but they also have it. Like Hannah Brown, Becca Kufrin, all of the most recent Bachelorettes, you're like, okay, she's kind of a boss, you know? Um, and I just, again, I don't think that, that Hannah Ann or Maddie have that. Yes, they could get it though with some time. Interesting. Anyway. I hope that answered your question. <laughs> I just went on like a five minute diatribe about hoojus. Jesus Christ. Okay. Oh, man. No, that didn't answer the question. Hmm. Yeah. This is a very, it's a very interesting, it's very interesting. I think that something that you brought up that I forget in this process, again, a, sh- a moment of shame for me is that they are releasing what they are letting, they want us to see. And sure. how Always. much are they fucking with us right now? And a wedding makes perfect sense. And like we were talking about, this is a very different season because since it is all being filmed on La Quinta, how are we going to get, you know, the photos of this person at the Eiffel Tower on their date with blah, 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 or on their mm-hmm. hometown here. And the neighbors are taking shots of the, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a, di- it's really different. Yeah. That the leaking of information is definitely part of their marketing every year. We always have this time, this preseason time that leads up to the first airing of night one. And it is these little drippings of like images of the players on their dates and stuff. And exactly like you're saying, all that's happening in one location now. Hmm. Very interesting. And after Lauren Zima came out and said that Tasha was the bachelorette, my I, that was when I was feeling sus about everything because it's like, okay, before anyone is announcing it, the final confirmation is that Chris Harrison's partner is announcing what that Tasha, what a move, that Tasha is the bachelorette. And my my thought would be if if they're adding Hannah Ann Becca, making it this like panel of bachelorettes, how shitty would the bachelor producers then look if they're now campaigning, quote unquote, for campaigning diversity. for diversity? It's like, actually, just kidding. Tasha, uh, we didn't think that she was going to be 
enough, enough. to just be the bachelorette herself. Yeah. So here are that's three what I was thinking two about other yesterday. women. That's what I was thinking about yesterday. I was like, that's going to look really shitty if like, yeah, she's just kind of pushed to the side, doesn't even get her own season. She's got to be with two other. I totally agree. I don't yeah. think that's the case. Mm-hmm. No, it didn't come off well when they did it with Caitlin, Bristow, and Britt. No. no. It came off gross. That was a whole lot of yuck. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, they could package it to play devil's advocate. They could package it as like, what's better than one badass woman? woman? Like <laughs> three badass women who aren't going to take like any shit. And they're all going to walk away single. I can definitely see the promo that's like super slow-mo yeah, is walking toward the camera and then out of screen right yes! comes Becca Kufrin and then out of screen left comes hair Hannah blowing they're, just... they're all wearing crowns they have different colored dresses on you know I can also, see it oh, wow. evidence, evidence in our wedding theory is the promos they have released of Claire show her in a white gown interesting so. And they also do this graphic. I mean, this is part of what we do on Game of Roses too, is we scrutinize the actual documents that the show gives us because like you're saying, they don't show us anything they don't want us to see. And everything they show us is something they want us to see. So in both of these promos, they consist of two shots. One is a kind of behind the scenes production shot of uh, there's a, a monitor in one of them. So you're like kind of having a director's eye view of what's being shot. And the other one is a camera doing a tracking shot across a little piece of track. And then it cuts to Claire. In each of these cases, it cuts to Claire in her white dress. And then a 3D graphic of a diamond wedding ring flies in onto screen to form the O in The Bachelorette. That diamond ring, the attention that's paid to it, they had to get a graphics person to make that. That's a decision. You know, mm. it's not conclusive just some evidence. Thing. I'm not saying it's conclusive. But it's like, why someone made that decision. Someone was like, oh, and get us somebody who can do a diamond wedding ring graphic and fly it onto screen. There's some importance to it. It's not just arbitrary. Which will appease a lot of the audience, because obviously there's going to be been a lot of annoyance of how many of the past seasons? Pete's, Colton's, not Becca's, but Hannah's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the three past seasons. There hasn't been a conclusion. There hasn't been even like an engagement. There hasn't been an engagement. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jed and, and it doesn't even Hannah, count, but we it don't was, count. Oh, that. It was like over before that we even saw it on the screen. Mm-hmm. Like we knew he was cheating on her before they even got engaged on screen. So, well, and then technically, uh, PP in both of your words, which is one of my most favorite things ever. I can never not see him as PP now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, he did. He did propose. And you know the only reason he proposed was to appease the community that was so angry that we have not had a wedding or an engagement yeah, that lasted. Yeah, and now it's like, not only is there going to be an engagement, there's going to be a wedding, and then we can segue into Tasha's season where, heck, we might n- not have an engagement again. Yeah. You know? Who knows? Yeah. All right, Brads, we're about to get back into, uh just the continued genius of... Pace case and bachelor clues. Wow. Uh, But before that, we have to talk about something else that's important. Okay. Healthy should be hassle free broads. That's my declaration. I really believe that. But of course, life happens and grocery store trips become rushed and rare these days. And ingredient information on labels can be confusing to understand, at least for myself. Uh, Prices can be high and suddenly shopping healthy becomes overly complicated. But with Thrive Market, living your healthiest life has never been easier or more affordable. 
Uh, Thrive Market is an online membership-based market that offers the best selection of high-quality, healthy, and sustainable products. On their site, you're going to find thousands of better, our best, better-for-you foods that can be easily filtered by over 70 different diet values. Um, for instance, with people with food allergy, for people with food allergies, or uh, gluten-free, fair trade, and so many more. And it's so much more than just food, too. Um, you can easily shop their range of clean beauty. Uh, I know Becca is a huge fan of their clean beauty and their home products. That's one of my favorite uh, features of Thrive Market is those clean home products, uh, as well as supplements. And even, check this out, clean wine. Uh, the other day, Thrive Market was my one-stop shop when I wanted to do a pantry staples overhaul for some healthier options. I know that this is shocking for so many of you who know me, but... I was wanting to stop stock up on things like spices and baking necessities, okay? I am just becoming that person and I'm living and Thrive is making Thrive Market is making it easier and I was able to save so much money. On average, Thrive Market members save $32 on each order. $32 on each order plus any uh, orders over $49 or more are shipped for free and delivered with carbon neutral shipping from their zero waste uh, warehouses. I mean, listen, the amount of money that you save, like if you think about all of the trips that you have to take to the grocery store that you're order, ordering food or home products or beauty products online, $32 for each order. My goodness. Uh, Thrive Market, it's good for you. It's good for the planet and good for your wallet. And with all the money you'll be saving on products you'd be buying anyways, the membership really does pay for itself in no time. It was one of the best choices I made when I started with them in 2019. Uh, go to thrivemarket.com slash chatty to join today and you'll get a free gift of your choosing up to $22 in value. That's T-H-R-I-V-E thrivemarket.com slash chatty to start your risk-free membership and get a free gift today. Thrivemarket.com slash chatty. What else is there to, what else did you, did you all want to well, chat about on this episode? We would love to go through your entire season with you. Every Nothing play you've made would make me break happier. it down if you're up for that. Nothing would make me happier. I couldn't sleep okay. last night once Jess told me. I'd love to. <laughs> I okay. Well, I don't know oh, if it was no, really... You're deep in it. Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. Well, this is something that we like to do on our show from time to time. We can just start out with this. Anytime we have guests on, we like to rank them in the Instagram chart of Bachelor Nation. Um, oh. Becca, you have 669,000 followers. You rank number 41 on the all-time list between wow. Jamie Otis from Bachelor Season 16 and Grocery Store Joe from Bachelorette Season 14. Jamie Otis, that's interesting that I'm sandwiched right between her. I just was on her podcast and we're like internet friends. You're bizarre. The, 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 you're between Joe and... It's all and, connected. Wow. That's kind of tragic. <laughs> now, what you guys need to, what you guys need to be ranking, though, is percentage of engagement well we we have another metric that we're going to get to in a second called oh. the rose quotient oh. that we feel is a, a stronger determiner of actual play like level Wait. of play where's jess in our beloved game oh god this is going to be tragic <laughs> jess you're yes. number 167 between Chantel newton bachelor season 15 and kylie ramos bachelor season 24 
Congratulations. Thank you. That's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> no. Uh, and so, after my after my future divorce, I plan on going on the show. Naturally. And I will oh. increase that number. <laughs> Smart. That's great. You should always be thinking about your numbers. Yes. My um, husband knows that this is part of our uh, part of our agreement in our marriage that at one point in my life, I will leave him and I will go on the show. It's your long-term plan. Long-term plan. That's important. Your, your divorce can be your PTC, your personal tragedy card that you play yeah. on the show. I'm, I'm, I can't wait for my close, my frame. Or you could fake his death. That's oh, that's better. Yeah, definitely better. <laughs> or you could uh, pull. So- or you could pull a um, Kelly, not Kelly. Who the fuck? Who is our girl? A Vicky. You could play a Vicky, and you could fake cancer. Ah. A Vicky Gumbelson. Yes. Oh shit. Yes. That's a strong play. Strong play. (laughs) So, well, before we get into your plays, let me explain what the Rose Quotient is and go over the Rose Quotients for not only you, but everyone on your season. Okay. So basically, it is a number that gets assigned to all players who have achieved at least five Roses in their season. That's the minimum threshold. You have to have five, and then you can have a Rose Quotient. The number is derived by assigning every rose a point value and then dividing that total value by the number of roses. And any rose outside of the rose ceremony is assigned a zero point value. So you're looking at FIMP rose, one-on-one date, group date rose, final rose. Those are all worth zero. And then every rose ceremony rose is worth whatever order it's given. So if you get the oh. first rose in a rose ceremony, it's one, second is two, so on and so forth. So you want to get the lowest and number possible. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like ERA in baseball. Okay. So, this is my favorite type of math. With that said, <laughs> we're going to go through just some of the top players from your season. And basically what this conveys is each week, your primary goal as a player is to get a rose by any means necessary. And so those zero point roses are opportunities for you. If you're on a group date or a one-on-one, it's an opportunity for an easy rose, not necessarily an easy rose, but one that is, you can get it through direct competition. The rose ceremony roses, you're now thrown to the whims of who does the producer want to keep on the show? What order do they want to give them out? There are a whole host of other things uh, outside variables that contribute to those roses. So we think the rose quotient really is a, a way to kind of exemplify just pure play. How good are you at getting those extra roses? And so on your season, the winner, the ring winner of your season, Becca Kufrin, 10 total roses, all 10 rounds, she won a rose. Her rose quotient was 2.1. Lauren B was 3.7 over nine total roses. Kendall Long was 2.875 over eight total roses. Tia was 5.4 over seven total roses. Jacqueline Trumbull, 6.83. CN Fleming, 3.16. The Fimp Rose winner, Chelsea Roy, had a 2.0, a very oh. low number. Wow. But do you know who had the lowest number of your season? Shut up. <laughs> it was you, 1.6. <laughs> My nipples just got hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's an astounding number you had the best rose quotient of your whole season um and i think you played one as group date games and that's part of why your score is so low you got multiple group date roses roses. i did (laughs) yes i did yeah and actually i was just thinking about this last night for some reason i remember with the moulin rouge date 
Um, yeah. They cut it all out. But I actually had a friend I found out mm-hmm. that day who was like paralyzed from the neck down in the hospital out of nowhere and who was like being tested for leukemia and all that stuff. And like I had got that call that day. Turns out she's totally fine now. It was a freak thing. But I had got that call that day and I was telling Ari about that and you didn't see any of that play out. But actually, oh, wow. that probably Whoa. played into the reason that I got the rose on that date. A hidden PTC. That's yeah. incredible. Wow. I can't believe they didn't use that in the show. Yeah, It was probably too convoluted because it was like a childhood yeah. friend who had this weird illness that she called about that day. And like it was just too, too complicated. And definitely the tone of that date was <laughs> not conducive to a PTC. No, it was like, you know, you guys are dancing around in costumes on stage and supposed to be like fun and frolicky. Uh, That would have been a a pretty, pretty big crowbar. um, So anyway, that's my starting point with your Rose quotient and your astounding play in all six rounds that you played the game. I mean, that number is extremely low, even categorically speaking across the entirety of the game in all seasons. A zero is like a perfect season. No one has ever gotten a zero. That would be getting every rose outside of the rose ceremony. No one's ever done it. 1.6 is, I mean, it's astounding. Clearly, at least by our metric, you were the best player that season. Wow. Thank wow. You. Just uh, um, So, Pace Case, do you want to get into the first plays here? We break down different types of limo exits, and there's certain limo exit types mm. that are more beneficial for you. There's a, a grandy standy. It's a combination play where you did a grand entrance or grandy and stand up. You came in on a 65 Mustang, which is you're entering the game, not on a limo with a big entrance, which is what we consider a grandy and said, uh, I may be young, but can appreciate something classic high level play, two different types of limo entrances. Um, the other different types of limo entrances are the Aloha. That's where you're talking a different language. Fabiana <laughs> did this with Ola. Um, the Santa Claus or Kringle. We had Tia do this. This is where you're giving a gift. So oh. she gave Ari a little wiener. <laughs> the, uh, the other type is a two-man job. This is where you're engaging the bachelor in some sort of activity, which helps stick out in his mind because he's forced to participate. This would be Becca K uh, getting Ari to get down on a knee and propose um, there. And then there's the blandy, the bland entrance. Kendall did this where you're just sort of like a hug and you're just like, Oh, I'm nervous, excited, nothing prepared. Um, and then there's one other type of entrance, which we didn't see your season, but this is called a sidecar. Uh, this is where you bring in, uh, I believe Jasmine brought in Neil Lane one season. People have brought in singers. Someone brought in their grandma once where you have a a side person come in as like your sidekick who, you know, talks you, to the bachelor for you. Do you know statistically which kind of entrance ends up being the most successful in terms of like ending with the person? We are breaking that down as we speak. We're going through all the seasons right now to to calculate these statistics. But just from our own kind of understanding of the game, and we wanted to ask you this, the Grandy requires heavy producer aid. You can't roll in in that 65 Mustang without the producers setting that up for you. So I'm curious, 
Did you go to them with that idea or did they come to you and say, we have a bunch of these prepared things. Do you want to do one of these? How does that work? Um, No, it's just like they basically came in. So, you know, you're in a hotel room for three days by yourself before any of it starts, which is Mm -hmm. without a phone, which is boring on so many levels. So like I remember No no phone, no nothing. Like it was really weird. It was a really weird three days. You're just kind of like watching TV and just kind of meditating and whatnot. Prison. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Prison. yeah. I mean, psychologically, it's like they're preparing you to be pliable. It really is like a similar tactic that Scientology uses. <laughs> which, <laughs> which is interesting is. that you say that. It's interesting that you say that because I remember the some of the, so the producers would come in, maybe you don't know when they're going to come. They'll knock on your door and, and mm-hmm. you're just like, yes, someone to talk to. And interestingly, I remember them saying like, wow, your room has like the most Zen setup ever. I had like literally crystals on the dresser. I had the windows open and I was just like trying Uh to make it a very Zen space. I said before going on the show, I was like, I'm not going to let them break me. They definitely did. 100%. (laughs) I'm looking for love and you're not going to break me. (laughs) I was definitely broken again and again and again. But I went in with that mindset to begin with. I was like, I've got to keep my cool like i've got a journal i've got to meditate i've got to stay in the zone and like not get too uh not get too crazy but anyway so they were like do you have any ideas my first idea was i wanted to rappel down from the mansion and they said that that wasn't logistically possible but they were like okay let's try let's try to figure something out and then um basically a guy then i i came up with the car idea i was like a friend of mine ironically a guy i had been hooking up with before going on the season had this really (laughs) old cool like chevelle and i was like oh maybe he'll let me borrow his car so then i gave the producer his number and then he wanted too much for them to rent the car for the day they're like we'll find you a different car and then they were like let's come up with a line for you to say with the car and i was like well if i'm in a classic car yeah anyway we kind of workshopped it together interesting yeah because i know there's got to be like a production budget allocated for the grandies because obviously not everybody can do a grandy there's only yeah. a few of those per season. And I think it conveys that these players who are allocated the grandy are players that producers want to go far. Yeah. So if you're given one of those in the beginning of the season, it is at least an early indicator of favoritism mm-hmm. from the producers, which is always obviously good. Most of them make it past night one. We have a couple of examples where they don't. but mm. So that to me was like, right off the bat, you're doing high level play. You're doing things that make you stand out, which is good for screen time. We, we have a theory that there are basically four audiences you're playing to as a player. It's the producers, it's the bachelor, it's the other players, and it's bachelor nation, the viewing audience. So right off the bat, you're doing things that affect each of these audiences. You come in in a car, Ari is a car guy, he loves that. You're using the producers to help you do this, so they're now on your side. All of the other players see you come in, you're now the one to watch, you're kind of at an elevated position among them. And then as an audience, we're watching that and obviously love it because all the grandies are more visually interesting and tell a little bit of the story in ways that like a blandy doesn't. Somebody who just comes out of the limo and is like, nice to meet you, kiss on the cheek, walk in. Who was that? We don't know. Um, so right did, you practice, back, did you practice the one-liner beforehand? Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I practiced it, but I definitely, it's really interesting because going on to the show, I felt really confident. Definitely like the short hair thing is another big Point, since there's mm. no one with hair above their shoulders in any season beforehand, and wow. a female player. Pioneer. Yeah, yeah. 
So I felt really confident. And then I actually remember getting into the mansion. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of beautiful women here. I don't know actually how well this is going to play out. I got a little slip confidence. But anyway, I don't think I, no, I don't think I practiced it. Later that night, you then performed a mini date, which some people don't do either. And you called back to your grandy. You're sitting in the back of that same car with Ari. And you ask him, this to me is one of the most classic <laughs> moments in fucking Bachelor history. You're like, tell me three things that make me excited to be alive. And he goes, excitement and pizza. <laughs> and I'm watching it and I'm like, you, in that moment, you're holding it together in a way that I don't know any other human being is possible. Of. How did you not just like laugh in his face, leave the show immediately? That was, I mean, that moment was insane to me you just walk off set okay first of all i i just want to say this too because you might find this interesting i had no idea they were going to do the car thing i didn't know like it was literally like oh hey we why don't you come out here and i was like oh wow um but i was very nervous sitting there on the car because it felt like we were on the set for a movie there's like lights and cameras like Mm -hmm. everywhere was so bright even though it was the middle of the night and I remember being really nervous. I remember thinking like, oh, he's probably really nervous too. And I, so I think I was just in the, I didn't think anything of it in the moment until I watched it back. And I watched it back. I was like, oh my God, like you look like a clown. But like at the time I was just kind of like, yeah, totally. And I'm like, oh God, I'm making this so awkward for him. Like I felt bad. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite moments literally ever watching the bachelor was like uh i don't know excitement and pizza <laughs> uh anyway later that night this is night one night one is statistically the hardest night to make it through roughly a third of all players get eliminated on night one and not only do you stick around you get a pretty high rose rating six out of i believe 18 players who got roses that night so that's the first number that's going to be later attributed to your rose quotient. Um, and then week two, we start to see that you have, sorry, go ahead. Pace, pace. Uh, no, you start some very strong base play in this where you're just doing these very bold expressions and things that can be memed. For me, this is a personal favorite because I feel like those people tend to go far. I feel like you were the Mykenna of your reason. <laughs> uh, you had the Demolition Derby Bachelor. Best and, uh And set up this very strong chemistry game with Ari and said, I'm simple, I'm no drama, I'm easy to please. <laughs> this like All sure lies. thing strategy, <laughs> like I'm here. <laughs> and uh, ended up with a rose ranking of uh, three. Third rose that week. Wow. And then moving into week three, you get another group date. And this is where you all have to go do uh, wrestling with these two women from Glow, from the old 80s wrestling league. And then you do a move here that I think is, it was underrated. They didn't quite capitalize on it in the show. But Tia basically taps out in that moment. She's getting berated by one of the instructors. She doesn't want to be there. She and Bibiana go sit on the stairs together and they've kind of like said, we're not going to do this. And you step right into her place and you're like, I'll do it. Let's get this shit going. So you're conveying not only to Ari that you're game for anything and you can handle any situation. You're showing the producers, I'll play whatever game you put in front of me. I will not break the game like Tia is trying to do, like Bibiana is trying to do. And I know that that seems like to a viewer, it may seem like nothing. But it's so important to get through like 
if there's ever a moment where the bachelor or bachelorette says, these are my top three people. And now you still have like 10 other people to get rid of in a rose ceremony or whatever in that order. The producers determine that order. And so if they like somebody, they're going to keep you around and you can get to deep, deep rounds of the game just by impressing the producers. And I think you've done that here expertly. Um, and then later in that group day, you play your PTC. That's about heartbreak. You got out of a two, two and a half year relationship. The heartbreak PTC is tried and true. You cannot go wrong with it. It's so germane to the idea of the game. It will basically always work. And then, of course, there's some more making out with Ari. Mm -hmm. And this, to me, was the moment where you really solidified your chemistry game above and beyond anyone else that season. It seemed like the chemistry with you mm -hmm. was the strongest. And that will always work on a bachelor. Sometimes on bachelorettes, it doesn't quite work. They're like, they have other things they're looking for in relationships. But with bachelors, it's like every time you can, you can ride to deep, deep rounds uh, on the chemistry game. The chemistry was pretty wild. That I, was actually... I rewatched last year her season with my mother and my mom, who is a conservative <laughs> woman, was like, this is a lot. This is a lot when you would come on. It was one of the su most surprising aspects of the show for me. I was like, I actually really dug Ari as a person and we did have a lot of chemistry. So what can you say? Yeah. And it paid off later that night. You get your first group date rose, your first zero point rose. And then at the cocktail party to even you've already got the rose like it's iced. You don't have to worry about shit. Mm -hmm. Instead, at that cocktail party. You have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Ari where you basically just fucking read him. You just do like a psychological analysis of this dude. You break him down. You tell him why he's scared of you. You tell him why he likes moms. <laughs> it was so good. And Ari is baffled. You basically do a Jedi mind trick on him here. He doesn't know which way is up, but he knows that he has to keep you around because there's something about you that he can't understand. And um, it was just fascinating to me. I mean, that was one of, to me, one of the strongest post zero rose acquisition plays I've ever seen in the game. It's these plays that aren't necessary because you already have a rose, but you do them anyway and it elevates you even further. It's, they're like high risk plays, but it pulled off such high reward. And I thought you did that one expertly. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Week four, you guys went to Tahoe. You get your first one-on-one -on -one date. You're riding horses around the lake. And back at the house, the other players are forced into this conversation about how young you are. And that's basically going to be the storyline of the episode. Despite the fact that like, Michael was like 23. There were other young women. They just focused on you. And literally no one in the house gave a fuck about how old I was until in true bachelor fashion. Yep. Everyone was forced to talk about it. I mean, that was a striking producers. Yeah. That was a striking thing for me rewatching is it's just like all these women being like, Becca's not ready. And I'm like, Becca has two kids. <laughs> Becca's ready. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you guys go in the hot tub with some champagne. Seems like you played the one-on-one -on -one perfectly. And then you have this conversation where you're, you divulge your age, arguably your hardest conversation to get out of this since he is 36. And Ari says that he's fearful, that you're not ready. Um, but like, and the pressure on him here is not only like, 
him wanting to give you the rose, but he knows also how this is going to come off since he's 36 and you're 22. Um, but you played off that conversation perfectly and got the rose, another zero rose rating. Can we tell them to add to all of the worship of her game playing? Because as I rewatched it, it was a to me as well. Um, can we tell them about the Tahoe date when you were in the hot tub? What happened? Because I feel like this yes. upped your level too. Oh, was it happened? was it during the hot tub when Ari got a little excited? Oh no, that was in the RV in the week before. Oh okay, wait what? The RV. <laughs> oh yeah, he was like he. I don't. I want to say it. now. I feel. I feel rude <laughs> saying this. I don't want to say it. But yeah, it was just like it was just I, like I little, things got escalated. But you you gave him you teased him you gave him a hard time about it, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. I did, and then everyone like the producers and the camera, everyone was la- like camera crew. Yeah, instead laughing. of instead of her, you know, getting flustered or ignoring it, she. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was yeah. That was like this is not ABC friendly. Like they're gonna have to cut this out. She gave him a hard time yeah. about it. Oh, it was. That was brilliant to Thank me. You. That you, was brilliant. Thank you. I mean, the energy this whole season, you guys talked about it in the second episode of uncircumcised dick energy. And I feel like you had that this whole season of just like this confidence. And like, it's so hard in that situation. You're cut off from the outside world, just plied with alcohol. I don't know. It's, it's hard to carry off. Mm-hmm. I, I just, Although the alcohol in this season was interesting because coming off of that Bachelor in Paradise season, they were very heavily uh, monitoring mm-hmm. our drinking. So we only had right. one drink per hour. I got cut off multiple times, <laughs> got cut off in Tahoe. <laughs> and after Tahoe, I was followed around by the psychologist for the rest of the season, pretty much to make sure I wasn't. What do you mean followed around? Oh, no, like literally we would be (laughs) at the pool or something like sometimes, you know, producers like you're staying at a hotel and they'll be like, oh, we're not doing anything today. Like who wants to go down to the pool? We'll take a few down view down to the pool. Whenever I'd go anywhere, the psychologist would be in the cabana, like five cabanas away, like literally just pretending to be reading her book. But she was always around me, like monitoring me (laughs) to make sure I wasn't getting drunk. And she took me aside and had a conversation with me in Tahoe. She was like, do you find yourself drinking in stressful situations? And I was like, no, I find myself drinking in bored situations. And we weren't doing anything for five hours. So yes, like the elevation got the best of me. <laughs> so, it was the elevation, not the tequila. But Oh my yeah. God, I didn't know that. Yeah, because when she they was cancel, following you around. And what people don't realize is when they cancel a cocktail party, you don't go straight into a rose ceremony. Yeah. You sit right. in a fucking room with everyone for three hours, bored out of your mind with all the girls. And so we're just sitting around gabbing, having <laughs> one too many dirty martinis. By the way, which oh, also God. happened in Paris, which I'll get to when we get to that week. I, I, I don't know. I don't sorry. know what is... Like my brain is spinning. There are two things now trying to occupy dominance in my head. It's there's a psychologist who just tracks people around like a bloodhound for the entire season. Or they didn't want a liability after the Karina stuff. Uh, Of course. Uh, So I'm wrestling with that. But I'm also now thinking about the producers have secret Ari boner tapes. (laughs) <laughs> somewhere somewhere in the archives well think about the boom boom room oh yeah in oh, paradise I think about it a lot um, <laughs> the, the evolution of how they've treated sex throughout the game is I mean we just watched season one 
Shannon on that season wouldn't even have a conversation about sex. Cut to now. It's like Peter's having sex with Hannah four times in a windmill and his mom is clapping about it in the audience of after the final rose. The evolution of, of kind of how it's treated in the game has been fascinating to say the least. Yeah. Wow, I, I do love the picture of you in every situation. I, I picture a very like uh, a woman with thick glasses, just always. Anytime you're having fun, all of a sudden there's just like yeah. this woman that is just appears. And it just, like, felt like that. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> I'm also wondering if that's just like in your mind because you're in this like Stockholm syndrome situation totally. where you're just like she's everywhere. <laughs> she's fat. She's completely <laughs> fabricated. Well, fun yeah. fact: when there we were- was no psychologist that season. <laughs> <laughs> when we were in Florida, I remember me and Mikel locked ourselves in a bathroom like with our mics off and turned on all the water things because we were afraid that they were going to be listening to our conversation. Yeah. So that's I mean, OK, so like in an instance like that, <laughs> like I literally mean, we sat in the bathtub, turned on the water everywhere and was like, we're going to take a bath. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like what mafia people do when they're trying to avoid being listened to by the FBI. Like <laughs> What what is the psychology of it? How are you feeling in that moment? Is it more like jokey and this is a fun, crazy thing? Or are you no. like, we're being surveilled? This no. is intense. We were like, we me, me and Mikkel had a conversation. Well, this was interesting because she left the show because her grandfather passed away mm-hmm. and then came back mm-hmm. on the show. And she um, and she also had tea from Reality Steve, sort of like we saw on this past season with... Um, Alea. Alea. It was a very mm. similar situation, but we didn't see that play out. Um, what was her? What was her tea? She was just like, "Oh, Reality Steve knows who like all of us are," and blah blah. I don't mm. really remember. It wasn't anything that important. But anyway, she. I remember we sat in the bathroom because we were having a serious conversation about whether we could actually see ourselves marrying Ari or not, which also oh, shows God. how much how seriously we were taking everything at that point. Because yeah. we were seriously like, "Can you see yourself?" like being engaged to this guy. So we didn't want any audio footage of that. Like, cause you know, they'll do that where people still have their mics on and you'll see the closed door. So we were terrified yeah. of that and didn't want any of that to be held against us. So we were having a serious conversation breaking down if we could really see ourselves with him. And that's why we had all the water faucets on. And yeah. That is fascinating to me because I have always thought these conversations must happen. These players must be talking to each other, not only about the prospect of marrying this person, but also about like, what the producers are doing. They're saying, yeah. like, for example, in this past season with Pee Pee, when Chase Rice is the musical guest and Victoria Fuller walks out and is like, oh, I fucking had sex with that guy. Obviously, yes. the producers have put all this together. Doesn't Peter and Victoria have a conversation immediately about that where she's right. like, yeah, the producers are trying to fuck me over? I don't think it's even that I don't think it's that clear to some people because I remember having a conversation with Bibiana that season and I was like Bibiana like the more they see you react the more you're going to get put in these situations that are trying your patience like you got you can't keep reacting like it's not good Um, because I in the first week they they were like oh did you hear they they had um I can't think of her name Marie they had Marie interrupt me multiple times and they were like asking me in interviews about her and I was just like no like I this is not and then when we had the wrestling date they made Tia win after she had had her kind of like breakdown mm. they they crowned her as the winner for her performance and then after they were trying to all ask all of us about it and I remember having a conversation with the girls where I was like 
don't give in to it. They're trying to get us mad at Tia for winning, but like they probably told the crowd to cheer the loudest for her. So like, so you were trying to unionize. <laughs> We've got to fight back. No, that is like, I mean, what you're telling me, I think exactly corroborates the Rose quotient that we, we told you about. It's like, you are playing a meta game here where other players are getting sucked into these producer traps you're like, no, no, no. Hey, everybody, this is all a fucking game. Just don't play another thing. And it's proved out in Fort Lauderdale. You guys go on the group date uh, for bowling and they split you up into two teams and the winners are going to get extra time with Ari and the losers have to go back to the hotel. And then Ari's like, no, fuck this. Everybody gets to come. And Crystal loses her fucking shit. She gets <laughs> hyper competitive, hyper mad. And the producers try to tap you into a fucking rivalry with her. They force you, I assume, to sit down and have a one-on-one conversation with her where you're going to both go at it and you leave the conversation. You fucking walk away. You're just like, nah, I'm not playing this game. That to me was like, when I saw that, I was like, okay, she knows exactly what she's doing here. Oh, I was being, trying to trap her. She I was forced into that conversation. I was literally forced into that conversation. It was like, you need to go talk to Crystal. And I was like, no, I don't want to talk to Crystal. I've been talking about this goddamn bitch the past like two weeks. I don't want to talk to her. And this is the other side of it though, is when you're filming, it's obviously all real at the same time. Like you're sort of aware that it's a game, but there are also real people who you're having real relationships and friendships with. You have to sit on a plane next next to her for six hours and talk about fitness routines. You have to decide who's gonna share. Like this is real shit. Like you have to decide oh, who's going to share the hotel room with who, you know, it's like, there's yeah. all these kind of things that you're spending 24 hours with all of these people all the time. You're trapped with them. So it's real relationships. So it's like, Oh God, I don't want to talk to her right now. I know how this is going to oh go down. God. And everyone's like, you have to, you have to tell her off. Like you have to put her in her place. And I was just like, okay, no one's going to stop bugging me until I go do this. So like, I'm going to go have this conversation. And then it's like, well, you know, it's just, it's really, it's a bizarre experience. They also cut that footage to make it look like I walked away and I didn't walk away. We ended up hugging, making up, up in that, com- in that conversation. Ah, even better. So they tried what? to even make it look like a fight, but you didn't give them enough footage to do that. No, it wasn't a That's fight That's as close all. as they could come to a fight. That wasn't a fight. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. God damn, that's fascinating. <laughs> And you end Sorry. up getting, you end up getting, uh, you get first flower of that rose ceremony. So that's like um, only a one pointer. Excellent. Wow. <laughs> and then we're into week six. This is Paris international travel. You've made it to the international travel round. This is the kind of pre round to what becomes the playoffs. And you do, this is, we already kind of talked about it. Extremely high level play on this group day at the Moulin Rouge. Uh, you're super excited about it the whole time. This is a thing that we've dubbed the I love Cleveland after PP season when they send all the girls to Cleveland. They're like, you guys are going to Cleveland. And everybody's like, yes, I love Cleveland. Cleveland's the best. And so this can, this attitude is basically applied to any situation where the producers bring something out, tell you you're going somewhere, bring in a celebrity and you have to feign uh, excitement. Not that this wasn't the case. I'm sure you actually were excited to be in Paris and go to the Moulin Rouge. But nonetheless, our term for it is the I love Cleveland. Um, and so you uh, employ the makeout strategy again. Again, you're super enthusiastic about the task at hand. And you get not only a group date rose, 
but with it comes this extra time with him. You get to go on stage, and this is a very similar kind of psychological effect on the rest of the players that your grand entrance had. It's they now have to watch you doing this thing with the bachelor that they don't get to do. And so it elevates you once again. And you reiterated your love level, which wasn't very high, but you did say how much I like you too, Ari, at that point, which is very important. There's four different love levels that we talk about generally. I like you. I'm falling for you. I'm falling in love with you. I I love you. (laughs) Which those last two get sort of interchanged sometimes. mm -hmm. We talk about that too. Yeah. There there are like, we have a, a very complex diagram of this, but there are four primary levels that can get broken down into almost infinite strata. We've seen players be like, I think I might like you. I like you. I'm surprised that I still like you this much. I think I'm starting (laughs) to fall for you. I think I might be starting to fall in love with you. Maybe, you know, like you can really drag it out over the course of the season if you want, or you can Luke P it. And on first group day, just be like, I'm in love with you. (laughs) I had a group day. I forgot about uh, that. I'm in love with you. (laughs) And it works for him. He also oh used uh, the religion strategy a little bit. But um, yeah, and then we go to week seven. This was your final week. The second it, international travel. The group date rose again. Second group date rose. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. hard to do. Do you want to do week seven, Pace Case? Uh, week this is seven. Where it all fell apart. There's seven women left. Four are going to move on to hometowns. There's three one-on-one dates and a final group date. And you end up on the group date with Kendall and Tia, the Villa Royale, uh, two roses left uh, due to Yen being kicked out due to what we have been calling the brown ceiling, which is where most players of color are kicked off before hometowns. Um, and Jacqueline Trumbull also went home on her one-on-one. And Tia pulls a tattletale on her date with Ari, throws you under the bus, says that you're not ready for this. And... It was very expertly played. You used tears and assurance that your family is fine with you dating older. Um, <laughs> and then Kendall gets the first rose. So you're on this two-on-one, forced to be on this two-on-one with Tia. And then despite making no errors all season, you're forced to watch as Ari gives Tia the rose in front of you. Um, he says, I'm so sorry, but you played your exit perfectly you said it's okay i know it's going to end well for you i know it is which is like praising the process it's also saying that you're there for trr for the right reason you're like i just want ari to find love and you give an exit speech that's short it's hard to accept that this journey is over um but in our opinion you you definitely opened yourself up to be you know one of the first fans in paradise with this exit you know you came out pretty clean Mm. how'd you have wanted it the only error that I could see was in that moment, in the last conversation you had with mm-hmm. Ari, you could have raised a love level. And I think you would have made it to hometown. I did. I said, I it, think I'm not, falling in love with you. It wasn't in the document. I don't Ooh. know if they cut it out or not. It so was. Do they cut it out? I said, I think I'm falling for you. Swear to God, it's in there. Maybe not, but I definitely did. Mm. Uh, we'll go back. We'll take a look. We'll take okay. a look. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, overall... Just a stellar, stellar seven rounds of this game. The lowest rose quotient of your season. One of the lowest of all time. And um, it was, well, we are obviously very happy for you that you have found love and you have a beautiful family. 
we really, really would have loved to have seen you in paradise. Because I think <laughs> you would have destroyed it. <laughs> you will, you will find this interesting. So I went home and I got a call from producers. Ari was after his, I don't know if you know this, but after his overnight dates, you know, he was back in LA and the producers called me and said, you need to go meet up and talk with Ari. Like, and so I went and met mm. Ari at his hotel in LA before he did the rose ceremony with those last three girls. And I don't know if producers wanted me to ask to come back, but I just couldn't stoop to that. I couldn't do it. And I wonder what would have happened if I had asked to come oh back on. Oh my God. Because <laughs> I came back and I met up with Ari at his hotel room and it was like, we kissed. He was like, I'm so happy to see you. And we kissed. Yeah, we totally did. (laughs) And we sat together and talked like he asked me about the women. He told me about his doubts, which with each one of them, I told him. Yeah, he asked about who I was friends with and who was friends with who. I remember he asked me who Lauren was friends with in the house. And um, he asked me like he he genuinely had no idea who he was going to take to the to the oh no no it was it, no 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 it was after hometowns it was before fantasy suites sorry it was okay. before fantasy suites obviously because they went to Peru and so he asked me who he should take and I remember joking and I was like well which three girls do you want to sleep with and he thought that was funny and then he and then <laughs> and then all of that and then interestingly he ended up cutting Tia that night but we had this whole conversation and I remember him asking too like why are you here and I uh-huh. wonder what would have happened if I said like I want to I'd like I miss you and I I want to keep fighting for what we have and I also confronted him and said like you I remember telling him this <laughs> I was like you were always looking for a reason not to be with me and with all the other women you mm-hmm. were looking for reasons to be with them and he apologized yes. to me for not giving me a chance because of my age and so all of this played out and they didn't end up wow. showing it also another thing in november after filming i was trimming weed in northern california because i was so fucking broke and um mike fleiss literally called me from his boat in hawaii while i was up in northern california trimming and said like we want you to continue being a part of the bachelor family in a big big way he said i've never seen someone on camera like you and all this stuff not trying to hype myself up but you know nick vial always says like oh everyone says they were considered for bachelorette and i was like no i think i actually seriously was until everything happened with becca and lauren so that's another fun fact yeah God, I, wonder, I wonder if that's the reason why I feel like that's why they didn't include that conversation because they just so had too. so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And it, and it might've been different because that conversation went really, really well between us. And he basically like apologized and said he should have given me a more, cha- more of a chance, even though I was young, which would have been yeah. a really good lead in if I was to be bachelor. Exactly. After. It paints you as a victim of the game through no fault mm-hmm. of your own. You did everything right. And you deserve a second chance. Oh, Lord. Is there anything better than ice cream on a summer night? Mm. Literally the perfect way to end a day of playing with the kiddo outside is to sit on the back porch or the backyard and enjoy a sweet treat together. And even better than store-bought ice cream. And now the only thing we keep around the house is the the new plant-based ice cream from Daily Harvest Scoops. My God. Oh, wow. I have been waiting for a plant-based ice cream that tastes good for so long. And Scoops is it. 
bless you. <laughs> it's free of additives, preservatives, and fillers. And oh my God, it tastes so good because Daily Harvest uses only whole nourishing ingredients like coconut cream and black sesame. And every single flavor is amazing. I've tried them all, but I have to say my absolute favorite, favorite is their strawberry rich rippled berry compote. Is it compote or compote? I think it's Compote? It probably is. I just think of coyote. You know, I mean, so I'm like compote. However you pronounce it, it is whatever. Absolutely it's, delicious. Strawberry berry vegan ice cream. Just talking about it, it's making my mouth water. It's incredible. And because Daily Harvest scoops are full of amazing ingredients, I have no problem just indulging and indulging and indulging. Mm-hmm. And I even feel really good about giving it to my daughter as a treat because she wants it often and I can give it to her often because yeah. there's none of that artificial BS and it's summer vacation after all. Give the girl the scoops. Oh yeah. Um, of course, Daily Harvest has so much more to offer than just scoops. We love them around the house um, with their Harvest Bold smoothies as well as their latest uh, soups and when the weather starts to get cold, the soups are just perfection. Um, all of their foods are delicious, nutritious, and ready to eat in just a minute. It truly is a perfect and healthy and delicious quick meal. I did not think that that was possible, mm. but Daily Harvest has made it to be so. And also, side note, it's an amazing gift to send someone during this time where you can't see some of your special friends and family. Um, We sent Daily Harvest to my precious Nana. She obviously can't leave her house right now and we can't see her. So we sent her Daily Harvest and it was a big yes from her. And let me tell you, Nana is picky. So it was a big thumbs up. (laughs) Everyone loves Daily Harvest. Everyone. Keep it simple this summer. Get Daily Harvest. Go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code chatty to get $25 off your first box. That's promo code chatty for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. All right, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. Getting mail as an adult is so much less exciting than I thought it would be when I was a kid. So much less. It's pretty much bills, junk mail, credit card offers. But the one package that I get in the mail that I still, I lose it. I have so much joy every single time. You know what it is, Broads. It's Fab Fit Fun. I miss Becca's voice. But you know what? Thinking about Fab Fit Fun just makes me feel happy all over again. It's my Fab Fit Fun delivery. Uh, if you've never ordered a Fab Fit Fun box yet, let me break it down for you. Fab Fit Fun is the only subscription box on the market that delivers full-sized self-care and wellness products that have been expertly curated for each season. The boxes are valued at over $200, but only cost you $49.99. Those are some huge savings, all right? And we aren't talking, by the way, we're not talking about the free samples that you get when you buy cosmetics type of items. These are full-sized products that you're going to want to get your hands on. Um, I sometimes can't even believe the items that they include in these boxes when I open them. I'm shocked every time. I'm like, oh, this is this is a full haul. This box is packed with goodness. Um, there are products like from brands like Tarte, Kate Somerville, West Elm. We're talking high-end and yes, please. Uh, my fall box actually just arrived the other day and it was so glorious. I... I really look forward to seeing what's included in each season. And let me tell you, the team at FabFitFun once again did not disappoint. And I don't want to spoil the whole box for you, but let me tell you, there was something in this box that I have become obsessed with to probably not a good point. Um, It is the Hythe Tranquility Sleep Mist that you can spray on maybe your pillows and your sheets or around you before you go to sleep. And nothing has felt more bougie in my life, okay? 
we're at home all the time. You know, we're not really able to travel these days. I spray this on my pillows and my sheets before I go to bed. I feel like I am in a five star, no, a six star spa resort. The smell, it lulls me to sleep. It's incredible. All, you know, the biggest problem right now is trying to get Evan and Ember not to just completely use it all up because they're obsessed with it too. It's the best. I'm going to have to order 100 more. Thank you, FabFitFun. Uh, so it's time to customize your box for the fall season, okay? And the customization part is so fun. So you have get to have a say in your box. So sign up today to receive your first box and join a community of over 1 million who are already obsessed. Use coupon code CHATTY for $10 off your first box at FabFitFun.com, making it only $39.99. Um, again, go to FabFitFun.com and enter code CHATTY for $10 off your first box. FabFitFun.com, code CHATTY. God, that is fascinating, all of that. Um, my head is spinning. And my twice call... <laughs> Have you met Mike Fleiss many times? None. none. Just that phone call. Just you get the, the one phone call so from the emperor. The the emperor. Just, just Michael Fleiss. I was I'd literally like you in position. I was literally in a warehouse. In a warehouse in the middle of nowhere, trimming weed. I barely had cell service. I had to borrow someone's phone to have the call because I had the conference call and I was like, I don't have any cell service here. And I remember like running yeah. out. And I was like in the middle of the forest talking on the phone with Mike Fleiss. A truly bizarre life, ex- life experience. And you know yeah. he was on his boat. Yes, he was like, you probably can't hear me like I'm on my boat right now. I could hardly hear him because he was on a boat. Oh my God, the visuals right. that I have. And he lives in fantastic. Hawaii, so I'm assuming that he was on his boat in Hawaii. I know you're having fun trimming weed out in the Northern California forest, but uh, there's a phone call from the devil for you. <laughs> Um, I was like, I am ready to sell my soul right here, sir. Where do I sign? Hey, at this point, aren't we all? Aren't we all looking for a way to sell it just to make it through a day? God damn it. But uh, man, that is really, really fascinating. That conversation with Ari too is like, so you show up at his hotel room. This is right before Fantasy Suites. You guys kiss in a romantic way. Mm-hmm. And he's about to go do Fantasy Suites with these three other women. Mm-hmm. So there has to be the idea then that maybe you can come back into the show, at least in his mind. Totally. You know, that's what I'm saying. He I asked me it. like, well, why are you here? And yeah. And yeah. So the, the producers had some big plans for you. God, that is fucking crazy. But again, yeah. I, you have the lowest rose quotient. Like the producers know that shit too. Cause when they see you telling they all the, the other players, what's that? They have all the RQs. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they have the, the numbers, the actual data, but they know what you're doing. They can see that you're winning these group date roses. They, they watch how you're playing the game, how you're galvanizing the other players to be like, don't fall into their traps. They understand that you see the game at a higher level than most of these other players do. And not only do you see it that way, you have the ability to execute play within it that elevates you as well. And I do think that in most cases, um, Hannah Brown is kind of an outlier here. But in most cases, all of the bachelorettes have that quality. Mm. They understand that it's not just this journey to find love. They understand that it's a show, that it's a game, that you do have to serve these four different audiences. They need somebody, Nick Vile was right about this, that as the lead, you are the anchor of a show. And so you do have some responsibility to remain true to what the show is. But again, where I think he's wrong is 
the producers have to operate under this conceit that it is for TRR. You're only there to find love. That's your primary and only objective. And if you can do that and it breaks the game, then the, the responsibility falls on the producers to fix it, and not such, on the lead. It's such mm. a confusing experience because I was, I was totally in it with Ari. And I remember right before I got sent home, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. This is like my new life. I'm going to get engaged to this guy like 100%. This is the trajectory we're going on. And I think that's what people don't understand about that show is you really are so in it. You're like 100% envisioning your life. Even if you still understand what the show is, I was like 100% like this is going to be my new life. And then also, uh, and then the producers are like your best friends. I was sobbing in the car because I was like, the producers were crying too. We were crying in the car, hugging each other. And it was like, I'll, like, I'll see you on the other side. It's really bizarre. God, I, that shit fascinates me too, because I... Like in these situations, I know the producers become your friends, but it's in this highly, highly toxic situation of extreme emotional duress for you and the producers to some degree. Sure. They're out there 24 hours a day too, Away working through all this families. shit, whatever. Yeah. Exactly. All of that. So you're all kind of in this weird pressure cooker situation that is not normal, that no one else ever goes through in the world. And then you're asked as a player anyway, to also get emotionally entangled with this person who is doing the same thing with 30 other people. It's just insane. Have, have you seen any of uh, Ari and Lauren's YouTube videos? Have you seen no. the life that they're leading? Uh, no, I follow, I follow Lauren on Instagram. So I see her stories. Well, you you and get a taste stuff. of it then. Sure. Do you, can you imagine like if you had won, can you imagine being in those videos? Can you imagine that life for yourself? 100%. Holy shit. Oh, That's yeah. Crazy. I'm flexible. I can go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. She's moving to Scottsdale, baby. Look at that goddamn house. It's gorgeous. I'm going to dump, comparatively speaking. He is a luxury. I mean, is our lives, are our lives, this is more of like a the larger thing. Are our lives really that different? Are me with my two kids living in Long Beach really that different well, from their lives in Scottsdale? By the way, Becca, you also played an amazing post-game season, which we also talk about, which is, you know, the, the successful podcast, all of this stuff. Like, Thank you. you know, some players, they, they fade into obscurity in our beloved game. Even after Paradise. Yeah, I keep tabs. I keep tabs. I watch people's, uh, you know, what they're doing. Yeah. And I'm it's like, it's well, incredibly difficult to ascend into a, a career after The Bachelor. It's, you know, we see all the success stories and there are at this point after 24 seasons, there are enough of them that it seems like it may be commonplace, but you have to remember there are 30 people who go on every one of these seasons out of each season. Maybe there's one or two people who come out of it with like a successful podcast or they elevate to like a Caitlin Bristow level, something like that. I, I just think it's incredibly hard, especially because the number of players is just, it grows every season by another 30 Mm -hmm. and another 30 and another 30. And it's like to stay relevant at the top of all of it is extremely difficult. I think clearly you have done it very well. Uh, It was an honor to watch and an honor to hear this breakdown. I'm just, (laughs) I'm like breathless right now. It was like, it was like listening to a masterpiece. It was like, just like a, an incredible orchestra. Is your future book going to like break down all this kind of stuff? Because I think this is important. It may indeed. I think this is very important. Okay, before we let you all go, well then you have have to plug away before that, but I have have a question. 
which player is both of your favorite? I mean, separately. Mm. Let, favorite. And when I say favorite, I don't mean like who you like the most. You know what I'm talking about. Who yeah. is the best player of the game? An Absolutely. MVP. Yes. Who is the MVP? I know what Clues' answer is. <laughs> <laughs> My answer is the only correct answer. But what are you going to say, base case? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say... It has to be a woman because the women tend to do the post game the best. Oh, cool. And I'm going to go Caitlin Bristow. Mm-hmm. I think she's, you know, she's starting a music career now. She's got the scrunchy line, the podcast, everything she touches Wine. seems to yeah. turn to she, gold. She truly has an empire. She's created an empire out of this. She, Yeah, she... Her relationship with Sean lasted a very long time. Mm-hmm. It seemed very 4TRR. And then she's now she's with Jason Tardick, another strong player in our game, yes. continuing to build her empire. Yes. Well, and I mean, uh, what's your favorite player of all time? Please? I'm not going to knock Caitlin Bristow. She's fantastic, of course. But if we're looking at raw statistics within our beloved game, I'm talking about gameplay, in-season play. And I'm not slighting this person's postseason play either. I'll get to that. But in-season <laughs> There is only one player who has been able to do what this person has done. That person is the greatest player of all time. Oh, wait. I feel like I know. Maybe not. (laughs) Take a guess. Maybe I don't know. My first guess was Sean Lowe. No. No. But it is a bachelor. Nick Vial. (laughs) That's right. You may laugh. But let me explain to you what this man has done. First of all. Nick Vial comes into our beloved game in Andy Dorfman's season. This is right when Instagram is starting. In some ways, I feel bad for him because he missed the Instagram window. He was a little before it. And he's Mm -hmm. still been able to carve out over a million followers, successful podcasts, all these things. But had he been The Bachelor now, things would have been a different story. I think he would have done things that no Bachelor ever has. At any rate, in Andy Dorfman's season, he ascends to second place. This is... Obviously huge, a very deep run. He then omits Bachelor in Paradise that season. He then comes back to the next season of Bachelorette, crashes the fucking season in episode Mm -hmm. four. What? He then has sex with Caitlin Bristow (laughs) out of turn before the fantasy suites. This is historical play. It changes the way we perceive the game forever. Also incredibly hard to do. Backstory, it's incredibly hard to do. Like everyone and their mother tries to like get one-on-one off-the-camera time with The Bachelor. And it is very exactly. difficult to, for that to be permitted. So, yeah, there's just wanted to add that. He did something so far out of field. All the other players are pissed. I mean, what that did psychologically to everyone else he was playing against that season, you saw what it did to uh, Sean Booth. Wouldn't even use his name. Called him the other guy <laughs> for like half of the season. That's some deep psychological trauma he caused that man. And in this game, which is primarily based on your ability to psychologically manipulate people, he destroyed an opponent. And now, granted, he doesn't end up winning that season. He makes it again to second place, second, second place. Um, Unbelievable. But still, two second place <laughs> runs back to back, unfucking real. Then he winds up on Bachelor in Paradise. Breakup. Tragic breakup. Yes. Sure. <laughs> Amidst all of these things. Uh, then he goes on Bachelor in Paradise, runs it to the end with Jen Saviano. Then he becomes your bachelor. And at this point, of course, he is too damaged by the entire process of only dating in the bachelor franchise for the past three years of his life. That's never going to wind up well. You know, that's going to be a disastrous end. But 
he has achieved basically every goal in the game except winning the ring. He has most total roses, most screen time. Mm-hmm. And again, mm-hmm. these plays that are redefining what the modern game even can be. And now he's gone on to be a successful podcaster. He's uh, tried his hand at acting a few times. I don't know if you guys have seen any of that stuff. Highly recommend. Um, his Halo Top commercials are impeccable. <laughs> we had the same uh, agent yeah. as well at one point. Fun fact. Oh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he to me is it. He's the greatest player that ever lived. I don't think we'll see another person who can match his raw in-game statistics ever again. Just that back-to-back second place finishes on Bachelorette, followed by a season-ending run of Bachelor in Paradise, followed by Bachelor Crown. I don't think we ever see anything like that again. <laughs> I mean... I don't. <laughs> I don't know, Brods. Are you okay? Because I'm not. <laughs> this has become even deeper for me now. You know, you guys need to come out with when you do your book. I don't know what you're doing for your book, but you need a comprehensive workbook to work through every yes. season with, so you can so people can do tallies on players. You know, like we might have something called the Bachelor Score Sheet in the works. I mean, the the moment that this is emerging, you must yeah. let us know, and we will have to have you back on to talk about all of this. In the meantime, please plug whatever you're actively doing at the moment. Please plug. Uh, what are we actively doing? Just our podcast. Right? Game of Roses. Please listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we we uh, we had our first icon of the game on Reality Steve this week, which was pretty awesome. Yes. Yeah. It was fascinating to get to pick his brain about, you know, how really bachelor journalism all started and where it's headed now, because we, we do see this kind of peripheral element of bachelor mm-hmm. coverage starting to elevate itself. And we think the bachelor is now in this nascent stage of being covered like a sport in the same way that we now have ESPN doing 24 hour hardcore critical analysis of every sport on the planet. I think that is starting to emerge a little bit for bachelor. Certainly it's what we do where we're, we're breaking it down as a game, but also covering its cultural importance and all that kind of stuff. And so to hear Reality Steve talk about how it just started with him doing uh, Joe Millionaire recaps for his friends in an email chain. And now it's like, wow. Pace Case and I are doing, you know, what we just did right here. It, it's, it's eating our brains away. It's all I see now is like bachelor statistics just turning over in my head again and again. Um, so I feel like we're, you know, in this new era and hopefully it'll continue because I don't think the bachelor is going anywhere. It really does no. feel like an industry unto itself, like the NFL or Major League Baseball or something to me now. Wow. Broads. And may it continue on forever. <laughs> may its legacy last. <laughs> yeah. Broads, obviously you're going to want to listen to Game of Roses after oh, yeah. hearing that. I don't know how you can want to. It will be in the episode notes as will all the Instagrams, handles, and all the socials. Bachelor Clues, Pace Case, it has been a true honor. A true honor. Thank you. The honor is ours. And with that... Yeah, and with that, Broads... Chat soon. Chat soon. Chat soon.